0: Day on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You know what the seventh one is?
1: The one who sows discord and slander amongst the brethren. Here's a thought as to why it is that God takes this so seriously. Why it is that slandering and gossiping and talking stink about people is so serious in the sight of the lord he was the first recipient of it
0: today pastor jd reminds us that slander is an abomination to the lord your idle talk disparaging a brother or sister is ranked right up there with murder in the eyes of god when you destroy the character of someone in your hatred you are in fact according to jesus guilty of murder Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Titus chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: We find ourselves currently in the book of Titus and our text today is going to be chapter 3 verses 1 through 7. The Apostle Paul is writing to Titus, by the Holy Spirit, and verse 1, chapter 3, says, Remind. Can you hang on to that word? We're going to come back to it. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready, to do whatever is good to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. At one time, verse 3, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But, verse 4, not a moment too soon, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom, verse 6, he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, verse 7, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. All right, so I want to talk with you about this first word in the first verse of chapter 3, the word remind. And here's why. In the text before us today, the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, writing to Titus, tells him first and foremost to remind the people. I chose the title of much-needed reminders because I found seven such reminders in our text, actually eight, but as we'll see here shortly, this eighth one comes packaged with the how of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I love about the Word of God. It's the how of the Holy Spirit that enables us and empowers us to do the what of the Holy Word. Uh, that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying through the Word of God to the people of God. That's how it works. And it's the Holy Spirit speaking into our lives, not just the Word of God, but the how. (laughs) God doesn't thankfully just leave us there and say, Thus it has been spoken, thus it must be done. See ya. (laughs) No, it's uh, God's callings are God's enablings. God will never command or call or exhort or tell us anything without also enabling us to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The first one is in the first part of verse 1, and it's that of respecting authority. Here, Paul starts off by telling Titus to remind the people to be subject to and respectful of those in positions of authority over us. That's a biggie. That's a good place to start. Wouldn't you agree? Would you also agree that we live in a day and age where there's no respect for authority? Not only is there no respect for authority, there's wholesale disrespect and disdain for authority. Now, Again, we need to keep in mind the word remind, because this is nothing new. Titus is being told to remind those in Crete of all of these things. (laughs) They needed to be reminded of this. And I would suggest that so too do we need to be reminded of this. Show respect for authority. When you disrespect those in authority over you, you dishonor God. You dishonor God. The second one really ties into the first one. It's in the second part of verse 1, and it's that of living obediently. So Paul, about respecting authority, says that really the Christian life should be marked by one's obedience. Be obedient. Obey the laws. Now, let me hasten to say that this is not to say that we're to obey the laws or those in authority when doing so would mean that we disobey God. Think about in the book of Acts when the disciples said, hey, if we are given this choice that you're basically giving us and forcing us to stop preaching in the name of Jesus Christ, we cannot do that. We have to obey God rather than man. By the way, this is probably important to mention as well. Uh, please don't miss this. We do respect authority, but you never obey those in authority over you if doing so would mean that you would have to disobey God or His Word. This is a biblical truth, dare I say, that has been taken to an unbiblical extreme, if I can say it like that. Well, this brings us to the third one and the third part of verse 1, and it's to do good. Interesting to note that Paul doesn't say, be good. You notice that? He says, do good. Do good, what do you mean? Well, do good and be at the ready, whatever the situation. The Christian should be the first in line whenever the Lord presents the opportunity to do what's right. To do good because that brings God honor. That brings God glory. Let me flip that around. I don't want to, but maybe I need to. Know this that when we don't do the right thing, we don't do good by someone, not only does God take notice, but God will not bless that. God can't bless that. You know, in our study through the Old Testament, uh, going through the kings, one of the things that just kind of leaped off the pages of our Bibles was this reality of how many wicked and evil kings Israel had in their history. So many kings, king after king, they did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Wicked reigns. Some of these kings, they were so evil, so wicked, God just killed them. (laughs) That'll take care of that. Do you know that there were only nine good kings who did good, did that which was right in the sight of the Lord out of all of the kings? And none of them were in the northern tribes of Israel, they were all in southern Judah. Only nine kings out of all of the kings did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Need to spend a little bit of time on this one. It's in the first part of verse 2. Paul says, remind them to slander no one. Bear with me on this, please. I truly do not know if it's possible to overstate the importance of this. How serious this is, this matter of slandering, gossiping. You know, in the epistles, one of the things that is really striking to me, when Paul does one of his lists, we're going to see one of those here, at the conclusion of our time together in God's Word. But you know those lists where Paul goes on to list murderers, adulterers? I mean, oh, well, I haven't killed anybody. I'm not a murderer. I'm not an adulterer. But then he also includes in that same list, rising to the same level as a murderer, gossipers. I was doing good with murder, adulterer. Not guilty. (laughs) Actually, you are, because if you hate somebody in your heart, you're murdering them. If you lust after someone in your heart, you're committing adultery. So you're busted either way. But isn't that interesting that gossiping, slandering would rise to the level of being included in a list of that nature? It's actually one of the things that God hates, we're told in the book of Proverbs. And the list is quite interesting again. Seven things. Actually, six, but the seventh is an abomination. You know what the seventh one is? The one who sows discord and slander amongst the brethren. Here's a thought as to why it is that God takes this so seriously, why it is that slandering and gossiping and talking stink about people is so serious in the sight of the Lord. He was the first recipient of it. Think about it. In heaven, Lucifer, the first slanderer, the accuser of the brethren, who scandalously divided the heavenly host. That's why. Because of what it does. Why is that particular one on that list in Proverbs an abomination? Because of what it does to God's people. You know, where Jesus said that he hates divorce. Have you ever asked yourself the question of why? Please know that he doesn't hate the divorced. No, he hates divorce. Why does he hate divorce? Well, a couple of reasons, chief of which is that the marriage is a microcosm of our relationship with Jesus Christ as the bridegroom supremely. That's why. But here's a more practical reason. God hates divorce because of what divorce does to the divorced. God hates division because of what division does in his church. That's why he hates it. That's why it's an abomination. Turn with me and join me in Psalm 101. I want to read verse 5, and there's a reason I'm asking you to turn there, because (laughs) this has got fire coming off of the pages of your Bible. Listen to this. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him will I destroy. Whoa! The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. Wait a minute. At first read, this is almost disproportionate. You're going to destroy somebody that talks stink about his neighbor parking in his driveway? (laughs) Isn't that a little? You're going to destroy him. Isn't that disproportionate? I'm using that extreme illustration for lack of a better one. Why? Here's what I'm thinking. God has to. He has to destroy the slander before the slander destroys. Can I say the same thing again a different way? And you see this, by the way, replete throughout the Old Testament. And this is where people wrongly portray the God of the Old Testament as a a judgment, judgmental fire and brimstone God. I think that's a misrepresentation. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How many times do we read prior to the destruction where God gave them so much time in His long-suffering, slow to anger, loving kindness, and mercy, and they would not repent. We saw this in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah is prophesying the coming judgment on Judah. Judah. The Assyrian army is going to invade Judah. And he says to them, this could have been avoided. But you turned away from me instead of turning to me. And so I had to judge you and allow this to happen to you. But four times we read this, my hand is stretched out still. That's the mercy of God. Now some have suggested that actually this is his hand of judgment, the heavy hand of the Lord. That doesn't fit with the mercy of God because chapter 9 just so happens to be that very famous chapter where we read this prophecy from the prophet Isaiah that unto us a son, a child is born and a son is given. And we love to quote it, sing it, during Christmas, but that was the promise of the coming Savior, Savior, who by grace would save them if they would believe in Him. That's the mercy of God. That's the mercy. In other words, you've slapped my hand away, but my hand is stretched out still. Never imagine for a moment that the judgment of God when He pulls back and allows the destruction to ensue and it will always ensue. It always ensues with pride. It always comes before the fall and haughtiness before destruction. But before God in His mercy, His love, His grace, will give us more than enough time to come to our senses and repent and turn back to Him. One last thing, and I, I doubt you'll be surprised that I'm going to bring it up, but I have to again. I really don't want to, and the Lord knows my heart. But on social media... From Christians, and dare I say, sad to say, pastors who slander others. God takes notice of that. Those social media posts, you're slandering, you're creating division, and that's an abomination in the sight of the Lord. Let's move on. Some of you are saying, thank you, Jesus. Let's move on. The fifth one is in the second part of verse 2, and it's be peaceable. Now here, Paul talks about being peaceable, which carries with it the idea of being a peacemaker and living at peace with everyone inasmuch as it lies within you. This is actually what Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 12, verse 18. He says, if it is possible, now there are some times where it's just not possible, but if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Can I take it a step further and suggest that this would also imply that we're to make peace in as much as we're able, if it's possible, as far as it depends on us. I think it was Oswald Chambers who said it. It's always stuck with me. I have never forgot it, and the Lord has reminded me of it (laughs) more times than I care to mention. But he said, it's not have you been wronged, It's, have you wronged? That changes everything. It changes the whole complexion of everything. Yeah, but they really wronged me. No, 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 no. Did you wrong them? Well, I'm not going to make it right with them. They need to make it right with me. Are we talking marriage here? Can we talk about that? We're going to anyway, just because of that look that you just gave me. How about that? The husband, the wife out of fellowship with each other for days. Oh, we, we call it the silent treatment. They need to come to me. They need to make a right with me because they wronged me. Oh, really? You know, guys, can we just talk for a second? Wives, just give us a moment here and don't elbow your husbands when I say this. You know, we talk about, well, I'm the spiritual leader in my home. Okay, And rightfully so. But why is it, guys, that we... I'll put myself in there. My wife's here. I have to. (laughs) But why is it that we want to take the spiritual leadership in all of the areas except taking the lead in this?
0: Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged in your faith as we learn from the book of Titus together. When Paul wrote the book of Titus, he wrote that truth might be taught in order to grow the people's faith. It isn't the paint color on the walls or the carpet on the floor that matters in the church. What matters is that the word of God is being taught so that all might believe. Are you being taught and dwelling on truth today? If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in this Titus series, you'll be able to find them at calvarychapelcadiohe.com. Maybe as you've been listening today, you've become aware that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You may already read the Bible and you may even attend church, but have you surrendered your life to Christ? If not, today's the day to make that change. If you're not sure where to start, please visit calvarychapelkaneohe.com right now and find the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will give you step-by-step instructions and will answer questions you might have about why this is important. We also encourage you to be part of a church. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaniohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Again, that's com. Thanks for being part of today's listening audience. Join us next time on In Spirit, In Truth.